And so we were studying when I left, if you recall at all, First um, Peter. And we were still in the first chapter, and we actually went through the first five verses. And so I would ask you, if you don't mind, to uh, review with me the very wonders of what Peter has been telling us, because if you're anything like me, you've probably forgotten a little bit about what we've been going through. I, I do. I have to renew and, and kind of review what I, I'm going through as I study through the Word of God. And so I wanted to, to take us to a, a, a review of what Peter has been teaching up to this time. Please remember, Peter wrote this letter to many churches who were housing many people, all of whom, or most of whom, had fled from Rome and found that they were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, throughout the Roman region, and they were all experiencing persecution everywhere. As we studied the first time, Nero had built Rome, had burnt Rome down, basically, and he turned and blamed it on all the Christians. And the people were there and bought that, and they were persecuting the Christians at that time. They were putting them to death. Some of them were being burned. It's just a vicious time to be a believer in Jesus Christ in Rome at that day. And so they fled. And in so doing, Peter wrote them for three reasons. Listen, he wrote them to help absorb their sorrows of leaving their home. He also wrote them, secondly, to bring comfort in the midst of their tribulations. And the, uh, the way he accomplished this was through his giving them the assurance, the security of their faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, Friday night we had a, a, a Rock of Ages here at the church. And, and if, for those of you that have never been to Rock of Ages, you feel like it's for the older folks. Well, be like me. I sneak in on them too and go. And, uh, <laughs> and it really it's open to everybody. And it is one of the most, it's the most enjoyable times as a church. And we have normally a potluck. And you can't beat the food. The food was absolutely amazing. But the reason I tell you this is because Michael Camarena uh, taught so beautifully out of, uh, out of uh, the whole idea in First John about the assurance of our faith. And he did a fabulous job. And I, I thought, boy, this is good. The, the Lord must have something in, in mind for us as a church because He is assuring us, He's making us secure in who we are in Christ. And so what I'd love for you to do is look at First Peter and read with me very slowly, kind of kind of absorb some of the things that we have been talking about the, the weeks that I was here out of First Peter. And I want to read to you the first nine verses. I want to read them slowly. I want you to think through what Peter has told us so far. And I hope that the Lord God will bring to remembrance of some of the things that we have been studying over these few weeks. He begins, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, so that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. 
verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance, catch this now, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. You greatly rejoice with joy unexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. Chew that over once in a while. Read that once in a while. When you have a spare moment and you have a, a time that you want to be quiet with the Lord, I would encourage you to read those verses. Sense the, the overwhelming assurance that Peter wants to pour out into your life. And especially those of us who might be going through some deep waters, some, some trials, some, um, some pain, something in your life that, that seems to get you down cling to these words. Peter is saying, look, first and foremost, you and I, we're aliens here. That's what he says in verse 1. We're aliens here on this earth. This is not our home. Even though, as, he's, as you translate it to First Peter, even though you've been scattered from Rome, which was your home, and you're feeling terrible, and you are being persecuted, because the persecution now is not just in Rome, it is reached out to everywhere. And Christians are now being persecuted everywhere. And he is saying, even though you're going through these times, this is not your home. We're aliens here. And he says at the end of verse 1, you've been chosen by God. And in these words that he is saying, they can relate to any and all of us who are going through any kind of problems within our lives. And we all are. I mean, to one degree or another, some of us are, are going through maybe deeper waters than others. And, and some of us are going through some trials, but we all have trials. And don't think that just because this message might reach your soul, that you can walk out of here and you're over your problems now. That's not true. You'll be going through your problem day by day, and you will, by faith, have to trust in God to see you through it. But for the sake of God, don't be bitter of your faith. Don't think that God is doing something to you that is extraordinary or that you've been a bad person, so God is disciplining you. That is not the tale. That is not the truth of it. The truth of it is, as Peter's going to remind us in the message today, don't be surprised when you go through a difficult time. We all do. How we go through it, that's the critical point. And I think, and I hope, and I pray that by the end of this series, this, this great book of First Peter, 
that you and I will get a, a, a better understanding of why we're going through what we're going through, understanding that it is a test and it'll be just for a while. This is not our home. We can make it through, and in the midst of it, we can find joy. And I know that sounds crazy. I, I get it. I, I really get it. I, when, when I feel distressed or whatever it is that I'm going through and I feel the depth of it and I think, I'm supposed to find joy in this? Give me a break. Where's the joy in this? And I want us to understand and learn. And I want to learn with you. As we go through these chapters in First Peter, I want to come out of it knowing what it means to have joy in the midst of a difficult time. And I want you to too. And so let's pray. Let's ask God to really bless us. Father, we do that. We thank you for, for Dave, uh, David Briggs, Father, Pastor David, who, who led us these past three weeks and then led us absolutely beautifully, Father. Uh, a real passion for the Word, a real love for the people. Father, we couldn't ask for anyone better than him to do what he has done at this church. And I thank you for him from the bottom of my heart. And Lord, I now thank you that you brought my wife and me home safely, that we are back here where where we feel like we belong, we, we can, uh, we can uh, be amongst people that we love so deeply. And Lord, that you would lead us and guide us. And I pray as I pray every time I've ever opened up this book, Father, that you would open up our eyes, open up our hearts, so that we might, we might be uh, understanding of things that are far greater than us, so that we would behold wonderful things from your law, as it says in the, in the Psalms, the 119th chapter. And that, Father, that you would take me and move me aside so that I do not interfere with what you want to say to every single one of us, myself included. Help us, Father, those of us that are going through deep waters. Teach us, dear Father, what it means to find joy in these difficulty times. So, Lord, bless this time. Thank you for it. Thank you for everyone here. In Jesus' precious, precious name, amen. Boy, I love you guys. Did I already say? Yes, I did. The three reasons he wrote this. Let me just repeat it. Absorb your sorrow. Bring forth comfort in your tribulation. And he does it through the assurance of the Word of God. So, Peter, first and foremost, lets us know this is not your home. This isn't our home. He informs us in verse 1, we are aliens. By the way, as we're going to see in a moment, Abraham exclaimed the very same thing when he was taken from his home and went into what was called the promised land. We are aliens on this earth. Our true home is waiting for us in heaven where we have been, as it says at the end of verse 1, chosen by God. Now concerning persecution, Peter tells us we all will experience in, to one degree or another. So he says, don't be surprised when you go through anything that is a trouble, any trial in your life. Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, talking to the believers, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. So what you and I need to learn is what is it that we are being tested on? What do we need to know as we go through this difficult? Don't, don't, don't come upon it as something uh, that you, you are surprised over, as though some strange thing were happening just to you. No, it happens to all the people within the family of God. Peter's purpose in writing this book is that so that his readers would stand firm in the face of escalating persecution, escalating trials, difficulties that you might be going through. Let me show you. 
Let me look ahead with you to chapter 5. First Peter, turn ahead to chapter 5 for a moment. Look with me at verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. First, verse 9, First Peter 5. Peter tells us, resist him. He's talking about Satan. Resist the devil. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that at the same the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. In other words, he is saying suffering is happening. It is happening everywhere and it is happening to everyone. So stand firm in your faith. Look at verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, he himself will perfect confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him, the Bible says, be dominion forever and ever. Peter writes, Amen. Amen to that. Let me, let me throw in verse 12 because it tells us again to stand firm. He's talking about Silvanus, a, a faithful brother of his, verse 10. In fact, he even puts in parentheses, for so I regard him as a faithful brother. I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. The faith that you and I have, Peter says, stand firm in your belief. Don't be, don't be rocked away from it. Don't move away from the faith that God has so preciously given to you. To that end, Peter reminds us of the sure hope of our inheritance, uh, the true blessings that you and I have of knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. By the way, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you don't know for certain that you are a believer or not, and what does that even mean? Am I a believer in Jesus Christ? How can you know you're a believer in Christ? I want you to listen to what Peter has to say today. I want you to mull it over in your heart. Think about it. At the end of this service, we will give you a chance to... To, uh, to pray about that whole issue of being a believer. We'll have people up here who will pray with you. But, but he is teaching us, Peter is, how to conduct ourselves in a hostile world pointing to our example of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 2 for just a second. Move, just turn your page to the right. Look at chapter 2 of 1 Peter and look at verse 21. And Peter tells us what our purpose in life is. He says, you have been called for this purpose. Whoa, I'd love to know what I've been called to do. What's the purpose that God has for me? Well, it's simple. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. In other words, what, what God has done for us, we are to give back to him in return. We are to be faithful through the sufferings that we go through. So, Peter says, stand firm in your faith. He wanted you and me to live triumphantly in the midst of hostility. He wanted you and me to, to, to live a triumphant Christian life, to, to not abandon our hope, not to become bitter, and God forbid that any of us would deny our faith in Jesus Christ because of what we were going through. No, for the sake of Jesus Christ, I plead with you and I plead with me. Please, stand firm in your faith. 
Now, Peter, we have told you before, was called the Apostle of Hope. In, in comparison, Paul was called the Apostle of Faith. John was the Apostle of Love. There's hope, there's faith, there's love. Therefore, this epistle, 1 Peter, was written to place an emphasis on hope. But I believe the word that best conveys the theme of 1 Peter is suffering. Therefore, I would surmise or, or submit to you that I think it is fair to say that Peter's theme is hope, but it is hope in the midst of trials, hope in the midst of suffering. And to accomplish this hope in the midst of suffering, a believer must have a faith that is rock solid, secure, assured of whom you believe in. And so in reality, Peter's desire is to remind us in the midst of our sorrows, in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of whatever it is that you are going through, that we are aliens. We are believers in Jesus Christ. We have been chosen by God, but we are living far away from our true home, which is in heaven. Paul tells us this very thing in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul writes, Our citizenship is in heaven. Not here. We're aliens. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I ask you, this morning, are you eagerly awaiting His coming? Are you eagerly awaiting Him? I mean, is there an excitement in your heart when you think about standing before the Lord? Or are you fearful? Or, those of you who are younger, younger and I get it, I don't want them to come back yet. Ah, I mean, Rebecca, she wants to have those twins first. I can understand that. But I, I ask you, when it comes down to the time where you think about it, are you eagerly awaiting the appearance of Jesus Christ? I hope so. I hope you are. You ought to be. Peter's going to remind us later in the fourth chapter of this book how blessed we are, even in the midst of our sufferings, that the Lord Jesus Christ has not given up on us. As a matter of fact, listen to, to chapter 4, verse 13. But, he says, to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ. Whoa, let me read that again. To the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Okay, but how? Peter's going to teach us. To the degree that you share in the sufferings in Christ, keep on rejoicing. Verse 16 of that same chapter, chapter 4 says, if you suffer, if anyone suffers as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but rather glorify God. Glorify God. We're going to learn how to do this, I hope. I pray that the Lord God will, will break through my spirit, break through my um, resistance of when I do have difficulties, that I find it hard to rejoice, hard to find that joy. How do we do that? Oh, Peter's going to teach us. Beloved, this is going to be a great study for you and me. I'll be honest with you. When, 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 when we left the book of Romans, 
I wish I could just erase all of your minds and that we could go back to Romans chapter 1 and do it again because I didn't think I'd ever find another book as, 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 as I enjoyed as much as, as Romans. And I didn't think that I'd be able to ever teach a book as, as, I, as clearly as I believe the Lord had us do in Romans. And I was scared to death to go to another book. And now in this book, in First in Peter, I find the same joy. I see, I see the same things in it. That it is, it is a time of just great, great wisdom coming from God through the very, for the very essence of this, the Bible. This is a great book, First Peter. And I'm, the more I'm, I'm looking at it, the more I'm reading it, the more I'm absorbing whatever is in it, I, I'm, I'm feeling, gosh... It seems like it's so true. Whatever, whatever is my favorite place in Scripture happens to be the one I'm in right at that time. I, I honestly feel that is true. And so in verse 1, as scattered spiritual aliens, the most important thing that Peter wanted you and me to realize was not our relationship to heaven and our Lord, but rather His relationship with us how secure we are because of who He is. And that's nothing new, by the way. As I mentioned to you a little earlier, Abraham had the same belief. In, 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 back when God called Abraham to leave his place and go into what is called the promised land, it says, by faith. This is in Hebrews. Just looking back on the life of, and the faith of, of Abraham. It said, by faith, watch, Abraham lived as an alien. Hmm. The same thing Peter has asked you and me to do. We are aliens on this earth. By faith, Abraham lived as an alien in the land of promise, as a, in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. And what is that promise? What was he looking forward to? It says in verse 10 that Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He looked forward to the same thing that you and I look forward to. With eager anticipation, he longed to have a, this relationship with God so real and so intense that he, he looked forward to that city that was built by, the, by God himself. Remember how Paul in the book of Romans drove home the point our salvation came through faith and that our faith was in Jesus Christ and Him alone? Well, Peter is doing it basically the same way, but he is coming wanting you and me to know for certain that we are secure in this faith that we have in Jesus Christ. This is not our home, Peter tells us. Our citizenship, Paul reminds us in Philippians, is in heaven. And so Peter concurs with Paul. And Peter teaches us how secure we are in, even in the midst of difficulties. Read with me. Chapter 1, 1 Peter, verses 3, 4, and 5. I submit to you these verses whenever you're feeling a little depressed to read through these place, this place in God's Word. Peter writes in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, note, 
has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, what do we obtain? Verse 4. To obtain, watch, an inheritance which is, hang on to these words, imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away because they are reserved in heaven for you. And you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation, watch now, ready to be revealed in the last time. You and I are so secure in Christ. This reserved in heaven for you tickles me a little bit. I was reminded about something and I shared it the last two services, so I will with you. It's not in my notes, but I was reminded of it as I thought about reserved in heaven. Quite a few years ago, when my wife and I were doing ministry with professional athletes, I got a chance to be a part of the baseball chapel team, and there was the all-star game being played in New York City at Yankee Stadium. And so all the all-star baseball players gathered in the hotel in New York for chapel services, of course, for the game. But we had chapel services, and that, at that particular one, we presented to the player from the previous year who most lived out his faith, we gave him what was called the Danny Thompson Award. And we gave him this award at, the, at this chapel service, and I had the privilege of doing that. They, they asked me to make up the award and to, uh, and to kind of put it together, and I did. I think I made a real pretty uh, kind of reminder of what it means to follow Christ, and we presented it to the player at that chapel service. In this hotel where we were, uh, Billy Zioli is one of his best friends, was the man that started Amway. His name was Rich DeVos. Rich DeVos and another man started Amway in their garage in Michigan. Uh, is it Eden, Michigan? Something in Michigan. Anyways, he now became, by this time, a multi, get it now, I'm going to say it so you can hear it, be billionaire. He was a multi-billionaire. He had his yacht in the harbor in New York. And he invited my wife and me and a few of the fellows with Baseball Chapel to come upon his yacht for breakfast. Holy cow. I mean, of course, we wanted to do that. And he says, come. And he says, well, I'll have a limo pick you up at 9 in the morning, and we'll, we'll bring you to the harbor. So my wife and I get all ready, and we're going to go to this thing. We're wondering what can we give him. What can we give Mr. DeVos for doing this for us? And they were giving away gifts, trinkets, so if you would, to those that were on in the inside for the All-Star game. And one was a coffee cup. thought he'd invite us for breakfast. Let's give him his coffee cup. So we have this all wrapped up. That's only a part of the story. So we go downstairs, and we get out of the, out of the, out of the, the elevator, and the lobby is packed with all the athletes. All these great baseball players from all the teams across the United States of America who are all-stars, the best of the best, multi-millionaires their own selves. And we walk through the lobby and they're all trying to catch taxis to go somewhere, to do something. And there's a rush to try and get taxis. And when Kay and I step out and we walk towards the front, a gentleman says, Mr. and Mrs. Warehouse, this way. And the players looked at us and then some of the guys knew me because I had played a little while before. Who's, what are you going? And he takes us and he opens the door of this stretch limousine and he says, why don't you step in? We stepped in and those players were just giving me the raspberry. They were saying, what are you doing? We can't get a ride. I said, it's reserved for me. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. DeVos, 
<laughs> I think about that verse, reserved in heaven for you. Look, I couldn't make a pimple on anyone's behind and there as far as a baseball player goes. But the fact of the matter is, it didn't matter. By Mr. DeVos, there was a limo reserved for Kay and me to take us to the harbor to have breakfast in a yacht. Amazing. Any one of those guys would have traded places with me that morning, let alone the girl that was on my arm, my wife. They would like that too, but that's another story. When we got to the yacht, we gave Mr. DeVos this, this cup. This is not a part of the story, except that it shows you the class of a man who understands, who never got far from his roots. He's a strong believer in Jesus Christ. And we handed him this cup, and he said, and he was in this yacht. He looked like he so belonged. He was drinking a cup of coffee out of his mug, and, and he took this cup, and he looked at it, and he unwrapped it, you know, and looked at it and said, what a nice gift. And he blew the dust out of it and poured his coffee into that cup and drank out of it for the rest of the morning. And I thought, that's class. He made us feel like we gave him a good gift. Now, when we left, he could have thrown it into the harbor. It didn't matter. But I wanted to just relay that story to you to tell you that our God Almighty has reserved for you, and it doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer or an All-Star, He has reserved for you a place in heaven, and it is protected by His power. It's the most secure that you could ever believe be as a believer in Jesus Christ. And I want you to note something else in verse 3. Peter personalizes your faith with the simple inclusion of the pronoun our, O-U-R, to further assure you it is your personal faith. Blessed be the God and Father, verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ. He personally belongs to all of us who have trusted in Him for the forgiveness of our sin. For He is, verse 3, our personal Lord and Savior. The divine God of this universe gave His only begotten Son to everyone who belongs to Him the forgiveness and the assurance that we will live with Him forever in heaven. If ever there was an amen from the church, it should have been there. <laughs> Listen, there is no greater news than that. You see, it doesn't talk about what kind of a person are you, how, how successful, or how this, that, or the other. It doesn't mention any of those things. It just says that He is your own personal Lord and Savior. One of the most greatest assurances of all of Scripture was that little word, our, in verse 3. It's Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again from the dead to all who believe in Him by faith. He will grant us to obtain our own inheritance in heaven. It's imperishable, folks. Verse 4. It's undefiled. It will not fade away because it is reserved in heaven for you. And it is protected by the power of God. It's never been... Your salvation has never been more secure than what you read here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5, which leads us to today's thought. Today's thought is verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. Amazing verses. 
they were simply written to confirm the confidence that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6. In this, this confidence that you have, that this, this, this salvation that you have, that is undefiled, it, it's protected, it is reserved, it is, it is reserved in heaven for you. In this, verse 6, you greatly rejoice, even though now, Peter writes, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. Know you're going through something. But don't give up, he says. Why? Why should we rejoice? So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though it was tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listen to verse 8. Man, listen closely. To those of you who have not seen Him, yet you love Him. To those who... Do not see Him now, yet you believe in Him. You greatly rejoice with joy unexpressible, full of glory, obtaining, verse 9 tells you, the outcome of your faith. That is the salvation of your soul. Not maybe, not maybe, for sure. Let me ask you a question. Not a one of us here, I believe, has seen the Lord Jesus Christ. But I would venture a guess that every single one of us love Him. I want to ask you, do you love the Lord? I'm not talking about loving. I mean, there's, I'm talking about loving that it gets into your very innermost being. That you just, you just love Him so much that you want to be obedient to Him. You love Him so much that you think to do something against Him would be the last thing I would want to do. I would not want to hurt Him. I love Him so much. And for those of us who have never seen Him, and yet we still believe in Him, I'm not talking about believing. I've been around so many people who say they believe in God, it almost makes me nauseous. You know, do you believe in God? Oh yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Buddha. I believe in, oh, I believe in spirituality. No. Do you believe in Him? I mean, believe in Him to where when you, when you wake up in the morning and before your feet hit the ground on the floor, you ask the Lord to bless this day and let me be a blessing to you, Lord. I believe in you with all of my heart and soul. You believe in Him. Even though you've never seen Him. You love Him? You believe in Him? Peter goes on to write, Believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy that is unexpressible, joy that is full of glory, because you've obtained as the outcome of your faith, verse 9, salvation of your soul. You want to know one of the great chapters in all of Scripture is in Luke, the 15th chapter. And I'm going to tell you why I jump back to Luke for a second. Luke has written within the 15th chapter three different parables. Uh, people were pressing around Jesus and he wanted to give them a parable. And what he wanted to tell them was about, the, about what it means to be redeemed, what it means to have salvation, and the joy in heaven over one believer who comes to trust in Christ. And Jesus uses his parable of the lost sheep, lost coin, and the lost son to make his example. If you know the stories at all, in Luke chapter 15, the story of the lost sheep is, he says, which one of you, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, would not leave the 99 and go search out for the one? 
Yes, of course. And it says in the sixth verse, verse of Luke chapter 15, it says this, When that person comes home after finding this sheep which he lost, calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me. I have found my sheep which was lost. The second parable is about this woman who lost a coin, and she sweeps through every, every, every nook and cranny, every corner of her home, until she found that coin. It says in verse 9, of Luke chapter 15, when she found that coin, she called together her friends and her neighbors and she says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. The third parable, the one that is most famous, about the son who says he wants to leave. He wants to leave his father. He wants to leave the the family business. And he wants all that is his inheritance. And he wants to go off. And it says it goes off and he loses everything. And he comes back to his father. And when he comes back, his father sees him in a distance and he runs up to him and he embraces him and he says, My son, you're home. Let's have a party. And in the 32nd verse, of Luke chapter 15, the father explains to the elder son who did not go away and wanted, said, while I was here, you never gave a party for me. The father said to the son, we had to celebrate. We had to rejoice. This brother of yours was dead. He's begun to live again. This brother of yours was lost and he has been found. Those three parables teach of the genuine salvation and true joy of heaven itself for everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. What is my point? What is Peter's point in all of this? He is saying in the midst of your suffering, your goal, your, your life should be a joy over heaven and your salvation over once being lost and now being found, once being dead, and now being alive in the Spirit. Therefore, joy should be your expression on this earth. Yes, your joy should be your expression in spite of any and all trials. I'm still trying to learn. It's not easy. It's not. Just because we've said this, just because Peter has written this, doesn't mean we walk out of here, go to the parking lot, get in our car and say, phew, Am I glad I'm over with that trial? No, it'll come back and it'll burn at your soul and it might for quite some time. But I want to give you, Peter wants to give us tools on how to deal with it, how to find our joy, even in the midst of these difficulties. Peter gives us a reason for our joy. It's in chapter 2. Maybe take a look at it. Chapter 2, verse 12. He says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. The Gentiles there means anyone who is an unbeliever. Keep your behavior excellent amongst those who do not believe. So that in the thing in which they slander you as an evildoer, they may because of your good deeds, in other words, because of your joy, because of your going through whatever it is that you're going through with some semblance of order and joy in your life, they may observe that. What's the outcome? And glorify God. That's the reason you live. That's the reason we live. We live to lead people to our Savior. 
The reason you and I take breath, the reason you and I find joy, even in the midst of difficulties, is because of the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And this is not our home. This is a place that we are just passing through. One day we will get to be with the Lord forever and ever in heaven. And our goal is to bring as many people along with us as possible. Now, I don't want to go through the rest of the verses. I want to talk about, if you can find Habakkuk, and, and good luck, if you can. I, 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 I remember when I was at Dr. Jack MacArthur's church back in Oregon when my wife and I married in Eugene, and uh, he would say, find Habakkuk. I would go, what in the world? Why didn't they alphabetize this? I, I don't get it. But in Habakkuk chapter 3, and if you can't, it's okay. Just relax for a moment because I want to close with this. I want to close with this thought. I'm talking to you. Peter's been talking to us about, about suffering and about finding our joy in the midst of trials. Habakkuk chapter 3, and I would encourage you to find it, well, maybe with phones. Well, you guys got computers now. You're probably already there. But um, us old-fashioned folks, it would be time, tough to find. But these verses in Habakkuk have, are just amazing to me. I want you to listen, and then we'll close in prayer. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Verse 18, Yet, 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 I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I'll leave that with you. I want you to mull that over. It's one of the great places in Scripture to me. Even though nothing seems to be going right, I want you nonetheless to exalt in the God of your salvation. Now, if you don't know Him, come on. What, what the heck's keeping you? Come on, get serious now. This is not me, a preacher. This is, mere, this is a guy on the streets. What in God's name is keeping you from coming to Christ? What, you want more information? You've got to be kidding me. What more information can you just get than what Peter just gave you? Don't throw your life away. Come to Christ. Gain your life. We'll have people up here to pray with you in a moment. I want to close in prayer. Before I start, I want to tell you something that I've been longing to tell you for three weeks. I love you. I love you more than you'll ever know. Thank you for letting me be a part of this church. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for the joy of understanding, hopefully, what Peter is trying to teach us about trials, difficulties, suffering. That Father, that, that in the midst of it, You've asked us to try to find our joy, to experience uh, a joy in the fact that, yes, we might be going through difficulties, but this is not our home. Soon, soon we will all be with you in heaven, a place that is undefiled, a place that is imperishable, a place that is reserved for us, and it's been reserved for us by your power, dear Father. What more can we ask? And so we give you thanks. 
In Jesus' precious name, amen.